Part two, chapter fifteen of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part two, chapter fifteen. Venetius to Lygia, the slave Phlegon, by whom I send thee this letter, is a Christian. So he is one of those who are to receive freedom at thy hands, O oh, beloved. He is an old servant of our house. I can place full confidence in him, and have no fear that the letter will fall into other hands than thine. I am writing from Laurentum, where we have stopped on account of the heat. Otho, former husband of Poppaea, possessed here a splendid villa, which he donated to her, and she, although divorced from him, held it no shame to retain the gift. When I think of those women who surround me now, and then of thee, it seems to me that from the stones thrown by Deucalion must have arisen various species of people absolutely unlike, and that thou belongest to the species that was born from crystal. I admire and love thee with all my soul, so that I wish to speak only of thee. I must restrain myself in order to tell thee something about the journey, and how I am faring, and what is the news of the court. Well, Caesar was the guest of Poppaea, who had secretly prepared for him a splendid reception. She invited few of the Augustales, but Petronius and I were summoned. After the noonday meal we sailed in golden boats over the sea, which was calm as if it were sleeping, and as blue as thine eyes, O my divinity. We rowed ourselves, for it evidently flattered Augusta to feel that she was rowed by men of consular dignity, or their sons caesar standing by the rudder in a purple toga sang a hymn which he had composed last night in honour of the sea he and diodorus arranged the music indian slaves in the other boats accompanied him on sea-shells while all around appeared numerous dolphins as if really enticed from the depths of the sea by the music knowest thou what i did i thought of thee and longed for thee i wanted to grasp the sea the calm weather and the music and give all to thee dost thou wish that we should live some time on the shores of the sea far from rome o oh my augusta i have an estate in sicily whereon there is a forest of almonds which blossoms rose-coloured in spring and is so near to the sea that the ends of its branches almost touch the water there i will love thee and adore the creed that paul will teach me for i know now that it is not opposed to love and happiness dost thou wish this but before i hear the answer from thy beloved lips i will write thee further what happened in the boat soon the shore was left far behind us a sail arose in the distance a discussion arose as to whether it were a mere fisherman's boat or the great vessel from ostia i recognized it first the augusta said that it was evident nothing could be hidden from my eyes covering her face with a veil she asked me whether i could recognize her even so petronius answered at once that even the sun cannot be recognized behind a cloud she laughingly retorted that so keen a glance as mine could be blinded by love alone naming different ladies of the court she asked me which i loved i answered calmly enough until she mentioned thy name speaking of thee she uncovered her face and cast upon me a look with evil and inquiring eyes i feel true gratitude to petronius who inclined the boat at that moment and so drew general attention from me 
i swear that if i had heard thy name mentioned in a slighting tone i should not have been able to hide my wrath but should have had to struggle with the impulse to break the head of this bad and treacherous woman with my oar dost thou remember the occurrence on the pond of agrippa when we were at linus's house on the eve of my departure petronius is alarmed for my fate and even to-day he implored me not to hurt the vanity of the augusta but petronius does not understand me fully and knows not that beyond thee there is no delight nor beauty nor love and that for poppaea i have only aversion and scorn thou hast greatly changed my soul so greatly that i could not even entertain the idea of going back to my former life but be not afraid that harm may reach me here poppaea does not love me for she is incapable of love her caprices arise only from her anger against caesar who is still under her influence and who may even still love her yet he on his part does not spare her nor hide from her his shamelessness and his crimes i will tell thee besides something which should reassure thee peter when i parted from him told me not to fear caesar as not a hair of my head would be injured i believe him some voice in my soul tells me that every word of his must be fulfilled since he blessed our love neither caesar nor all the powers of hades nor fate itself can take thee away from me o oh, lygia when i think thus i am as happy as though i were in heaven which alone is peaceful and happy but thou as a christian mayest be hurt by what i say of heaven and fate if so forgive me i sin against my will baptism has not yet washed me but my heart is as an empty cup which paul of tarsus will fill with thy sweet creed so much sweeter to me because it is thine thou o my divinity count it as a merit to me that from this cup i have emptied the liquid which formerly filled it and that i do not keep it back but stretch it forward as a thirsty man standing by a pure spring let me find favour in thy eyes in antium my days and nights will pass in hearing paul who already on the first day of the journey acquired such influence over my people that they surround him continuously seeing in him not merely a wonder-worker but an almost supernatural being yesterday i saw joy on his face and when i asked him what he was doing he answered i am sowing petronius knows that he is among my people and wishes to see him so does seneca who heard of him from gallo but the stars are now paling o lygia while the morning star glows still brighter soon the dawn will make a rose of the sea the whole world is asleep but i am thinking of thee and loving thee let me salute thee as well as the morning dawn o my betrothed End of part two, chapter fifteen.